Hi, I'm DV LeBron, and this is the Ellis Talker Show. I appreciate you watching. Today, I have very special guest, the board president, Ms. Tammy Toby, and the chief financial officer for MISD. How are you doing, ma'am? Great. How are you? You're doing good. I, I, you know, I appreciate you guys coming on and, and talking to the community. I, I sat through a, a very good board meeting last night, and um, I tried to stream some of it. Uh, I did get some stuff in. You guys had a great uh, conversation about a lot of things. And I know that there was a budget pass. So what I want to do is kind of talk. I want to talk. Uh, I'm aiming to talk with the chief financial officer about the 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 numbers. What's what happened there as far as the numbers, the non-political side. And then I got Miss Toby here so I can kind of hit her on the, the political stuff that goes into it. So I, I, I like I did last year, I, I separate the two because they're very important, both information, raw information and kind of what your elected officials uh, uh, think about it. So, ladies, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I, uh, I wanted to start with um, this year's budget as far as the numbers, what was uh, the total number on this year's budget? Um, did it grow from last year? Um, yes, it did. Um, approximately $9 million. Uh, we went from $118 million to $127 million in our general fund. So um, the budget did grow. Yeah. And and so what were the most pressing needs that, that as far as the district is concerned, uh, the day-to-day -day folks, when you were talking to department heads, what were the pressing needs, the most pressing needs that you were seeing coming to you when you were developing this budget? Sure. Well, we're coming off of a time when we had ESSER dollars that were helping to get more, more resources and things to the students um, and more extra help through salaries of different um, positions. And coming out of ESSER, we just don't have those funds available. So um, trying to, to work off the budget and make sure that we're taking care of the students and giving them the tools they need to be successful. Um, also, we wanted to be able to give raises and that um, was not possible at the end. We, in a legislative year with a junior end, it's a difficult time because legislation doesn't usually end. We have special sessions and that goes past the point when we adopt the budget. So that has really put a, a, a stronghold on us this year. Yeah. And, and I definitely want to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the teacher, you know, the teacher pay raise. And, and that was discussed last night a little bit, too. Um, I know it's something that that everybody was thinking about and really uh, making an effort on. Um, but I wanted to ask you as far as the um, I know that the I think that ECAD comes back to you in late July about the, the what's come in with with that money last year. What I saw on, on last year's budget was that um, you gained five million here, but the state took five million away. So, can you kind of speak on how that works? Um, because I, I know that those things can get quite complicated. So, if you could kind of speak to the people on how that that fared out, maybe this year. Sure. So, um, we're allotted a certain amount per student. Um, $6,160 is our basic allotment, but they also take into consideration how much you get off your taxes. So then they deduct, the state deducts money from what your total allowance is from the state. So you don't really get extra money. 
um, it kind of balances out. So say you get $10 million from the state, but you get $5 million from taxes. Your total funding stays the same. If you end up getting more from the state, you end up or less from property taxes or vice versa. Um, ours is we get more from taxes um, through our tax base than we do from the state. And I saw the, the, um, the, I, and I'm sorry if I don't, this is all new and I was trying to be a layman reviewing a, a budget that's so big. So th there was a weighted, um, and it had to do with attendance, weighted attendance, something. And, yes. and those funds, you get funds from, uh, I guess, from the feds or the state because of attendance. And I saw like last year, um, it, you got like a $13 million little boost on that. What, what does that look like this year? Okay. So, um, your WADA is your weighted ADA. So you get average your basic, your average daily attendance. Yeah. So you get, um, so much per kid, not that's enrolled, but they actually attend school. So it's very important that the students are at school every day because that's how we get the state funding. We do get weighted for different things like special ed or career and tech classes that we offer because those types of things, um, cost a little bit more money to fund, whether it's the equipment that's in those rooms or just the special needs of the children. Did you have to, um, did you have to do a lot of supplementals or ask for extra money um, after last year's budget? And, and, and does that, I noticed that there was a special education teacher that was discussed uh, yesterday that wasn't exactly on the budget discussions. So did that, that happen a lot last year? And what does that look like this year? Sure. Well, Midlothian is known for having an awesome special ed department. And as we go through the summer, we find out of different children moving into the district. This happened to be um, more students were going to be at one school. It was putting too many students in one classroom. We needed to have two classrooms so that the children would get the attention that they need and would be, would be able to be successful in the classroom. So that's why we needed to add a teacher. And sometimes you just don't know that information. You don't know who's going to move in or move out of a district, you know, when you're planning the budget. And there was yeah. like, there was supplementals last year. What kind of like, um, and, and I know that was last year's budget, but I want the audience to understand that sometimes things come up and you got to add and maybe understanding that can kind of give context when you're trying to ask for more money, et cetera. So like what kind of cost did you see? Cause I know inflation hit. So what kind of cost did you see extra last year that, that weren't foretold in the budget? Um, there were things like um, winter storm Uri. Um, our electricity costs went up because of paying for those extra costs related to that storm through the co-ops. Um, also just the cost of, of doing business um, contracted went up electricity um, just general supplies, paper, um, paper products, um, those type of things were, were probably fuel, all of that. All of that can. Things that you do go through your grocery store or go through your normal buying power. It's the same for schools. As far as the, the district side, did you, was there anything in this budget that when you guys were reviewing before you submitted to the board that, that any cuts that you thought about or maybe uh, tapering down in some of the requests? Was there some of the things that you left out of this budget that you would have liked to have? Oh, sure. I mean, we always want to give our employees raises. That 
goes without saying. Uh, we were very disappointed um, not being able to do that this year. Uh, we were able to do 4% the prior year, and we really fully expected to at least do 2% this year. And um, things just didn't work out down in Austin to allow us to do that. We also had to take out um, buses for growth. Um, the bigger the district gets, the more buses we have to purchase to transport children to and from school. And at this point, we were not able to put those into the budget. You weren't able to add the buses that, that you might need for transportation? Um, yes, sir. What does, that, what does that look like, a, a, a cost for a, a bus? A bus um, has gone up from where we were paying a few years ago, 100000 to 120. The latest um, quote that we got was 150000 for one bus. That, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, everything is, everything is increasing. Now, what, what, um, I know that the tax rate hasn't been set. That's coming up. Um, but what was the proposal that you gave to the board? What we based the budget off of um, for our MO, the best guess we had at the point, the information that we got was um, 76.55 for the MO, and we based the budget off 44 cents for the INS fund. Okay. So we have gotten um, some word from from Austin lately that in the second special session, there are some new rates coming out. Um, our tax rate um, could be even as much as 10 cents lower than that. Oh, on the ex side. excellent. Well, tax cuts are definitely something that the community uh, wants, but there's also things that have to be done. I, so did what, what affects or how is the state, because there's conversations about how the funding is happening for schools and, and more funding for schools. There, there was a lot that didn't happen in the first session. What are, what are the ways that um, the, the stuff going on in Austin is affecting the bottom line and how you deal with the budget? Um, it's, it's slowing our course. We, um, we were really expecting there to be some more additions in the security area to really help um, with the governor <laughs> mandating an SRO on every campus. Uh, MISD has worked very hard in the last years to increase that every year. Uh, we're doing a great job of that to where we have, you know, coverage well at the secondary campuses and at the elementary campuses, but we would like to be able to add more to that to make sure that there's enough coverage. Have you seen a lot of mandates come down from the state that were unfunded that you guys are having to deal with this year? Yes. Yes. Security well, is the biggest one. Security is the biggest one mm -hmm. at putting an SRO in every campus. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so now I'm kind of going to uh, shift into the political. So Miss uh, Toby, it, it, your turn. So I, I, I did, I did hear about the, the teacher. Okay. And that was, that was a big one. I, I heard some of the discussions that the board very thoughtful and very, you know, you guys were really uh, trying to make something happen. Um, you talked about this quite extensively, but you weren't able to give the teachers raises. Um, how, what was that shortfall going to look like? Where could, could we not find, cause I think it was like 1.5 to 2 point something million. If you would have given the raise, um, could we not, as as the board, did you guys try to look for that somewhere? Um, absolutely, DV. Um, you know, as a board, um, we we approve things at the function level, and so when we look at the different functions that we could have taken from, you know, it became for me pretty apparent that 
we could take those funds, but you know teachers as well as I do. It, are we going to take away their supplies? We can't take away electricity. We can't. There's a lot of things that we, we can't take away from. They're, they have to be paid. And so when we start looking at those things that are manageable and that we could detract from, what you're doing is you're just basically taking money out of their pockets on this side and putting it in the other. Because if, if we're going to have to cut their resources, teachers are um, infamous for going out and pulling out of their own personal pockets to make up for some of that. And um, but even if we had, there wasn't enough to cover the 1.5 to 2 million. I mean, there's just there's just not enough. Our, our um, Sandy can tell us the percentage, but our payroll is upwards of 80 to 85 percent of our budget. So it doesn't leave us a whole lot of wiggle room with the other 15 percent. And to think that we can take from that 15 percent and it not affect our teachers in their classroom. That's not reality. You know, uh, the things we're asking for in that other 15 percent, almost all of that is resources that teachers use in those classrooms. Um, we started, you know, you probably heard about or came to some of our meetings when we started talking to Mo Casey about um, when we talked about our new um, priorities that were working into our balanced scorecard. One of the things the board said then is we said, we would like for you to take a look departmentally and Sandy and them have done a great job at this. And every time when the, you look at these departments and these functions, please strategically abandon anything that does not give us uh, our top return on investment. And, and we've seen that in many departments. We've seen that in some of the, um, I know we found several software items and, and other items like that, that, you know, maybe it was not being utilized to its utmost potential, or maybe it was being underutilized. And those things have been completely abandoned. And we said, hey, these things that are being done with like, let's just say a software, maybe we had, you know, 2% of the teachers using it. We were really careful about going to those and saying, hey, this software you're using can be done under this software that we already have. And that way we didn't have to have that cost for some of those things. That's just like one example. But they have gone by function and department to try and strategically abandon anything that we weren't getting the utmost return on our investment. And, um, you know, it's been a process and it's not like we just started. We started this in last year's budget and we've tried to be very prudent about, like I said, not affecting the teacher's resources in the classroom um, because we feel like they're our number one asset in, in teaching these kids and getting our academic outcomes that we're looking for. Now, now I'm going to go back to Sandy. May I call you that, ma'am? Sure. Sandy. So I'm going to go back to you, Sandy. Um, what was the exact percentage of that budget that, that is personnel? Um, I don't have the exact percentages. It's between 80 and 85%. So that doesn't give you much room for much yeah. anything else is personnel. Um, and, and did you, did you have to add a lot of, uh, positions in the budget that you submitted? Did you have to add a lot of, a lot of teachers, a lot of support staff? Did yeah. you, what kind of increase did you see there? Um, with, with any growing district, you are constantly adding, um, Middle Othian grows anywhere between, 400 and 500 students a year. So in order to keep up with that, we have to have more teachers, more aides. Um, our special ed population is growing. Some of those um, students need one-on-one -on -one attention. So there's always um, growth in positions. I would say it was probably around $1.5 million in just 
growth positions. In growth positions. Mm-hmm. Now, um, going back to, um, well, this is kind of a, a double, and both of you could mm-hmm. kind of chime in on this one. I, I noticed in a budget and in years past when I looked, there was a there's a reserve fund that you guys have to keep. Um, I, I don't know what exactly is the number that by the state, but you guys had something like $38 million that was kind of like put aside. Um, I don't know if that's accurate and you could correct me, but is that for the teachers uh, raise? Is that something that we couldn't pull out of that? No, no you don't want to take salary, something that's ongoing because you have to keep that up year after year. Um, the fund balance, we need to keep 25% in reserve. So that comes up to about um, 20, what is it, 26 million? Actually, now it's even more on a $127 million budget. But um, we really have about 26.5% is all we have in there. So we have like 1.5% over what we should. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, and it's going also, I will say that there, I did a little research on this because when we were having those discussions, um, somebody asked, I think one of the trustees said, well, why wouldn't we just pull that 1.5 to 2 million out of that 36? And I did a little research and back in 2015 or 16, I can't remember. I think I told you, I saw where we actually did approve a deficit budget. But at the time, our fund balance was very healthy. I want to say we had like 38 to 40 percent. And so it was a one time thing. And it was in a legislative year that they were very, very um, sure of themselves. And they knew that they the the state hadn't passed the budget or told us what we were going to get in funds. But they were very confident that they were going to get that money from the state. This is not a year like that. As you grow as a district, you know, any money we budget for, and, and I try to remind people that a budget is just a best guest estimate based on prior years, right? Like just today, my husband and I, our, 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 our air conditioning went out at our office. It's only a five-year-old unit. And we're like, what? What? This is not supposed to happen. You shouldn't have to replace an AC every five years. But, the, you know, the warranty is only four. And they tell you it'll last anywhere four to ten. Well, we're only at five or six years. So there's always going to be unforeseen things. And for us, it's an air conditioner. For a school district who's like the largest employer in our town, and we have how many different buildings and facilities, you know, those can happen in multiples. And so we have to keep that reserve at a certain point so that our bond ratings stay low or our ratings stay high so that our interest rates are low on our debt that we can issue for new schools and such. So we have to be very careful to keep that percentage in our fund balance. We're not at the point anymore where our fund balance is 38 and 40% because it's not that we've been using it. It's just the fact that as we grow, as she said, our budget grew $9 million. Well, that makes your fund balance a smaller percentage. Even if you're putting money in it, if you're not putting money in it at the same rate that you're growing, that percentage continues to decrease and that's what that's one of the kind of the growing pains of a of a district that's growing as quickly as we are and so we're not in a position where we can do that because like she said if we were in a position where we knew that the legislature would be able to fund that where we could make it up so to speak where we're gonna we're gonna pass a deficit budget but we know that the legislature is gonna pass where we don't really take out of our fund balance 
that would be one thing. But we are in a very unsure situation right now with the state legislature. We aren't sure of anything, and I don't think they are either. So we're having to base our budget on last year's numbers. And not only that, we're having to do it without any of the ESSER money. You know, it was the last year of those funds that were coming out for COVID, you know, so it's a catch 22 and there's a lot of moving parts to it. And I, I, I feel bad for Sandy because, you know, uh, it's kind of, you can't win situation because we've asked her to strategically abandon and to cut here and cut everywhere she can, but everybody's feeling the pains of the economy right now. Right. I mean, every, you go to the grocery store, everything costs more gas is that everything. So just like you're feeling it in your personal pockets, it's the same thing with the school district. And I know people look at our, our budget and they're like, gosh, that's huge. But we also have huge expenses and we're serving a bigger population and we're serving a more diverse population, which is amazing and beautiful. Right. But it takes dollars. It, I mean, bottom line is um, it takes dollars to be able to bring on those resources and to employ the best uh, teachers for our students. And so, you know, uh, they're doing a great job. The, the board has um, asked and we've received all the things we've asked for. It's just um, given the growing district and a population again, you know, just like with the special needs. We love that we're going to serve a bigger population. We love that we have the reputation that people will bring their kids to us, but we've got to continue to serve them and we've got to serve them at the level that they come to us at. And um, so I felt bad because, you know, I felt like some people were like, well, why didn't you know? Well, I wish we had a crystal ball. I, I really, really do. But those things do happen. And it's not uncommon. And, um, you know, I want to continue to commend them as much as I can because I've been around for six years and and they're doing a great job of trying to cut everywhere they can. But when you say cut, we want them to cut in places where our students and our teachers aren't going to feel it in the classroom. And that's really getting harder and harder to do. Um, right. So, Sandy, what what does the what does the debt look like? What does the debt service look like? How much are we paying for debt now? Um, we pay about $25 million a year. Um, we're currently in the process of refunding some variable bonds into fixed rate. Um, that will save the taxpayers approximately $12 million. So we continually look for those ways to save money where we can. I know that there was a lot of refinancing of debt when these rates were really low. How is that affecting you now with these rates being higher? Well, this is taking a variable rate. Um, we don't have a lot of variable rates. We just have two offerings that are like that. So this is actually, <coughs> like I said, saving us $12 million and we'll pay those off in five years. We're trying so, to we're trying to hedge ourselves against that interest rate risk by doing that, DV. And that's why we chose to do those variable rates. Most of our our debt is fixed rate. But when the interest rate started going up, our, our bond management group came to us and said, hey, this will this will save you money. And so that's we're very prudent on trying to stay on top of that kind of stuff, too, because, you know, we're under the the um, kind of rate risk is what they call it. And on those variable bonds, when they start going up, that's a good time to try and retire some of those. And again, that's going to save the taxpayer twelve million dollars in the future. And I thought that was a great idea. Oh, anytime you can save money, that's, that's definitely something that the taxpayers like to hear. Um, return on. Re the board's very good too about defeasing 
bonds early too yeah. and paying them off early. So um, return on investment, return on investment. And that's a term that's been being used. And I noticed it yesterday and, and then right now on the thing and, and return on investment <laughs> is something that the community expects from the district too. Um, a return of investment. Um, there was a bond that was, that came up and, and, you know, it did fail. Um, there was, uh, I believe it was A, B and C and D or, or four parts of the bond and it did fail. Um, the voters, you know, they, they weren't convinced yesterday. There was talk about a bond for November. I'm not saying that there was nothing agreed upon. There's not definitely going to happen. It was just a talk of a talk. I want to commend you guys for, um, I was watching. I want to, I want to commend you guys for having a thoughtful, you know, a discussion about it and, and recognizing in there that, you know, the, the community had problems with the first one mm -hmm. and we're not going to go ahead and just try to pass it again when the community told you there's some problems there. So I wanted you kind of, uh, if you could speak to the audience kind of that didn't watch yesterday, um, about where, where you guys are at with the bomb, what happened yesterday? What did you agree upon when it comes to that? And maybe talk to the talk to the voters about the needs because there's a lot of needs that the school requires and and there was talk about that if you could kind of tell the audience about that okay well there there were three parts to the bond um and some of the things that we talked about the other night is just the fact that we were all a young board none of us none of us have been on the board before when we passed a bond and so it was kind of a trial run and we, um, we probably as trustees um, need to be better about getting out and telling the story and telling about our needs, telling about the troubles that we're gonna have if we don't have the money to build these schools. Um, Dr. Uh, Rue was here for the first time last night and she has a great um, breadth of experience in passing bonds and just being in districts that were growing rapidly like ours. And um, I'm excited to have her here to help us with that. But, <clears throat> The big thing is, is, is we're going to have to be better about telling the story. I think a lot of people were confused about the fact that, you know, um, there was part A, B and C. A, when I, when I looked at it, um, even going back and reviewing it, A basically contained um, what I would call necessities, like the, the bare necessities of what we needed as a district. Now, mind you, the school board did not come up with those lists. We had a group of 135 community members that uh, collaborated and then brought this recommendation to the school board. And so there were three parts. There was A, B, and C. A was what I would call the, the, the necessities. You know, there's some facilities that need maintaining. There were two new elementary schools, a CTE center, um, repairs to the ag barn. It, it was a, a plethora of things that weren't that we the we deemed and so did the committee as pretty much necessary uh part b was storm shelters um and that would just be to bring the other um buildings um to cut up to the standard of the others after a certain point the state required us when we built a building to do a storm shelter so there's half of our campuses that are equipped with storm shelters and there's half of our campuses that i'm just talking in generalities that are not so that same committee said well why don't we bring forward to add storm shelters so that was proposition b whether it's depending on you and your desires and where your priorities lie as to whether or not that was a necessity or what a couple of people called fluff um, C was some upgrades to a couple of athletic facilities, a couple of 
to bring equity. Yeah, was, to bring equity among the middle schools. And, is, and the high schools. And the high schools. Uh, and it was some athletic facilities. Like uh, certain certain facilities don't have enough bleachers or restrooms or things of that nature. So, um, you know, whether, again, you can, that may be considered fluff for some people. But if you're a kid who goes to maybe Frank Seal and they don't have bleachers in a restroom at their fields, that may not be fluff to you. That's kind of a necessity. So those things were just to bring those campuses up to parity. We as a board um, said, hey, if this is what our community committee is recommending, we just decided as a board that we would put that forth to the voter and let them speak to us on that. Um, our discussion the other night was the fact that, you know what, the community spoke and they felt none of it was necessary. And we had a very candid discussion about the fact that you know, we need a couple of elementaries to come on board within the next two and a half years. And to be honest, if we don't put this before the voters again <clears throat> in a package that they're comfortable with, we're going to be behind an eight ball. Because um, if you go to any other district that gets in this position, it's like the problem happens, DB, is that like, OK, so let's say we don't pass a bond in the two and a half years. Well, you're going to have elementary schools. You're going to have some that have capacity and some that are out of capacity. What that creates is a position where we as a school board have to say, OK, we don't have enough schools on the ground. We're going to have to redistrict and we're going to have to move people from other elementaries to a new elementary. And that makes nobody happy until we can then get a school on the ground. And guess what? Your kid may go to that school for a year or two and then. Once the school's built, we're going to rezone them back to that proper. And that's just not something that's not a situation we want to be in as a district. Right. We know the needs there. We know the children are coming. And so we need to do a better job telling that story and explaining to the public why we need these schools. And um, so uh, we the board took partial responsibility. Um, our our bond guys, WRA were there to explain and offer different things that we could do. And so we as a board haven't made any decisions. You saw that. There was just a ton of discussion. And um, that's why there's seven of us. Um, there were seven different opinions of what was necessary and what was fluff. And that's all good because to me, that represents the community well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what we have decided is that next Monday at the board meeting, <clears throat> We've asked the staff and um, our bond, um, uh, I guess, consultants, yeah, our bond consultants to come back to us on Monday with a new plan. And we basically just set, put the parameters on it, what's in Prop A. And then Sandy was going to go back to the different department heads and try to figure out, you know, what are the true non-negotiables? What are the true necessities for this bond? And... I don't know how it's going to be packaged. Uh, I'm hopeful that we could come back out in November um, just so that we could stay ahead of that growth pattern and that we don't have to be the district that you come to where your kid's going to get rezoned three times in the five years they're in elementary. That's what we want to avoid. And, you know, that's what that's what parents want to avoid. Honestly, um, we we hear all the time how disruptive it is and how hard it is for kids to move schools, make new friends, all the things. Right. And so we want to be proactive as a district and as a board to stay ahead of that growth so that we don't have to do that here if we can help it at all. No, before, <coughs> before like I, I definitely one of the things that I saw in, in covering this county and bonds this year um, was Red Oak. 
Now, Red Oak had, their bond failed four times, I think it was. And then it passed this last time. And the difference that I saw was a, a big push in communication. And 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 it was a, a concerted effort understand. to, I'm sorry, my phone has a mind of its own. Um, <laughs> so so it, it, there was a concerted effort to get, you know, that point across. We need schools. This is why. And there was, there, it really, this time there was a big effort on the ground. There was a big ground game to talk to people. Um, maybe people didn't feel talked to enough or, or more informed enough. And, and they voted the way they did on the MISD. Now, one of the things that were mentioned yesterday was, or there was demographer reports that were out. Sandy, can you speak a little more about the demographer reports um, specifically? Because this is one of the things that you were pointing out that we really needed were elementary schools. Mm-hmm. How is it going to affect our elementary schools, the growth? Sure. So our latest demographer report shows that. One second, let me get on that page so I make sure I'm accurate. Um, that will be over capacity at one of our elementary schools in 25-26. And then the next year, we will be over capacity at two additional schools. So that's why it's so important to go ahead and get the bond passed as soon as possible, because it takes (coughs) 16 to 18 months to construct an elementary school. Plus, you have to throw in a few months for design, anywhere from three to six months. So you're talking about a two-year process just to get an elementary school from start to occupied. Well, and our our consultants also threw out there last night, DV, is that a lot of the components of the school, and I didn't realize this because I'm not a construction-minded person, but they said that with the supply chain issues that right now there's lots of things that they have a 12 month wait on. So like from the time they order certain materials and certain um, like, I don't know, it's crazy things like door handles. And I remember at one of our schools, light fixtures were a problem Mm -hmm. that some of those things take like 12 months lead time before you ever get them to the building. And so those are still some other things that we're dealing with as far as the construction side as well on those things. What does over capacity look like, Sandy? Um, what, what does that look like? Does it look like 50 students in a class? What, what does, I mean, realistically, what does that look like? Um, well, you either go over capacity or like she said, you have to rezone those kids to another school. So that's going to cause kids to go to maybe a school for one year and then have to switch again to another year. So um, you can get um, more than capacity into a school. It's not the most optimal learning situation for those children. Um, We want like to keep our class sizes um, at a certain level. Um, We start out at 22 to one. So when you increase that, those kids are not getting as much time with that teacher in order to make their learning environment the best to make them successful. And then that's the time too, DV, when the board has to make that decision, is it more reasonable to rezone or to bring in portables? Um, the okay. reason, I mean, and, and I, I, I've never been one of those people that like to throw portables out as a scare tactic. Cause I, I grew up in them uh, at the school I was at at Midway, we had them for a while and it was fun, but let me just tell you, that was a culture I can't think that far back. I was going to say 30 years. I think it's more than 30. But anyway. No, I'm saying maybe 15. (laughs) No, but there was a whole different culture then, right? And um, so what I need 
what I probably should convey most importantly is that if when we decide on portables, we're also taking money instead of, you know, buildings come out of our INS, which is a separate fund from what we pay teachers from. But if we have to bring in portables and mobile buildings, that comes out of our M&O, our maintenance and operation, which does affect the pot of money that we can pay teachers from. And so, you know, it's one of those catch 22s. Um, neither one of those decisions is easy. And and I'm not trying to be be throw out scare tactics about portables, but I, I do not feel like they're the safest environment for our kids, especially at elementary level, because you're going to have to have people or I would hope. And this would be my guess is we're going to have to have somebody escort them to and from those mobile buildings. Um, you know, I would want to make sure that they're completely secure because, you know, inside the elementary schools now you have key cards and people have to buzz in and all the things. And so when you go put in portables, it, it just brings on a whole nother plethora of not only issues, but additional needs. Right. That, in my opinion, we should be putting towards a long term solution versus a short term solution. And so I would rather be proactive minded and long term minded because we know we're going to be around for the long haul, not just the short term and put those funds towards a long term solution that will serve us well into the future. Because I just think that's more efficient use of our dollars. So fluff was the word yesterday. It was mm -hmm. it was thrown around fluff. I <laughs> got acquainted with fluff yesterday. Yes. So so, you know. A, uh, proposition A, and one of the board members said, let's not, you know, re repackage A and just throw it out there again. Let's see what we really, really need out of it. Um, it sounds like elementary schools. Um, is that what you foresee that looking like, Tammy? I know that there's got to be vote. There's there's a whole board that's going to have to talk mm -hmm. about this and vote. But kind of as far as the direction, because you are the president, um, do you see that being, hey, two elementary schools. That's where we're going. Well, now we've gone from a crystal ball to reading six other people's minds. So I appreciate the ease with which you uh, put that burden on me. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, you know, we have a great group of trustees. We've got a super team. I really love that everybody brings a different perspective. Um, you know, to me, that's the beautiful thing about humanity. Um, I have no doubt that we will all come together. Uh, I don't I don't think we will all easily agree on what that's going to be. But I think that serves the public well. Um, so I, I, I trust in the staff to bring us exactly what we've asked to because they have been so good about that. Um, and they're so patient with us because we do ask a ton of questions and we probably go way outside of our lanes at time. But I'm just telling you, they are the most patient and kind people. And I have no doubt they'll bring us whatever we need to make that decision. But um, I, honestly, DV, I don't know, because we didn't spend a whole lot of time the other night at the meeting defining fluff. And I think everybody's uh, definition is going to be a little different, but but that's OK. Um, the, the great thing is, is that it will all be discussed in the public and our meetings are, you know, they're videoed for everybody to see. So if you can't come, you can watch later and see what the discussion is. And I would beg people, I, we've gotten a bad rap lately about putting out surveys and then not listening. The problem is when you have a, a culture that is as diverse as ours, we can't please everybody. Um, really? and that's the unfortunate right. thing I, I would love to, and 
the worst the worst thing is going to sleep at night and, and realizing that, you know, there are some of your probably closest friends that are really upset with you for a decision that you made. But these these positions are not easy and, and we have to make the decisions based on what's best for the most. And so even when we ask people's opinions and we put out surveys, it, it truly is to get feedback because we every person sitting up here, I promise you, they want to make the most people they can happy and they want to serve the students and the teachers as best they can. And the unfortunate thing is that's never going to be 100 percent. But I do feel like with this board and with everybody's backgrounds and everybody's diverse needs and um, passions uh, for different pockets of kids and populations, I think we'll come up with something that serves the most students, teachers, and even families best. And so the reason I put the parameters of A on there is because I felt like we needed to pare it down to simple necessities. Um, I didn't I didn't mean to imply in any way that we're just going to take A and put it back out there. I think we understood by the end of the night, let's just take A and make that our starting point and and just go from there. Um, and, and like I said, I think we, we're going to go through every single thing with a fine tooth comb and figure out what um, can we put before the voters that they can understand not only what we're asking for, but the issues that those things will resolve. And again, it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be left up to the voters. Uh, they they get to decide. Um, so the discussion will be, I'm sure, good, just like last night on Monday. And hopefully we can come to some resolution so we can move forward. Because I don't, I don't see any way forward where we can't continue to provide buildings for these students to be housed. Um, in the short term or, or long term. And that's why I, one of the things I do feel is is I can say pretty assuredly is that we will move forward with something in November. And that's just knowing what our timeline is, because, it, you know, like Sandy said, it looks like 2025-26 school year. We're going to have one school that's already 14 percent over capacity. And then by 26, 27, we're up to three campuses that are over capacity. And so given that kind of a timeline, I don't think it would be prudent for us to put off trying to move forward with the bare necessities of what we feel we need as a district. And, and you know what? It, and I don't I don't editorialize, but if I could suggest one thing is definitely um, more informational meetings. You have. Um, and, and one of the board members brought this up, like, you know, pictures. This is like Walnut Grove. Walnut Grove says about Midlothian right there. Walnut Grove Road. You mm -hmm. you have houses and the plan is massive. It's a massive plan that's going to curve and go through 287 and, and then going the other way uh, uh, <coughs> towards, towards more the center of Midlothian. It's just, it's expanding. Mm -hmm. And all those houses, I mean, there's going to be kids in those houses that yeah. there's going to be some kids there and they got to go somewhere and maybe talking about that um and, and think, bring uh, the voters yeah i think mr dillo had a, a great idea and i hope that we can come forward with that and that was to get our demographers to uh present us with a large map that we can put in the boardroom and you know every time we meet update that map with the new dem demographic numbers because you're right, you, you drive any direction in this town right now, and it is, 
apparent that we are are growing at every direction. And, you know, roads are crowded. Um, maybe I'm spending more time at stoplights than everybody else, but it's, it's apparent to me that we are growing. And um, I just want to make sure that we do a good job serving these, these students well. It's and certainly, that we keep good teachers too. It, it's certainly bigger than when I got here in just my little short time of 2014. In 2014, yeah, they, I mean, I had cows across the street. They're not cows. There are some big houses over there and, and there are kids that were added to MISD from there. Yeah. So I, I definitely seen growth. But um, uh, one last thing, and that was the, the tax rate. I know we had discussed what the tax rate was proposed and I don't remember the exact number. I'm sorry, Sandy, that the, my brain sometimes, you know, but um, uh, on a political, uh, Tammy, you know, people, people, this is something that comes up every year. Property taxes, you know, ouch. Um, during the pro, t uh, it just so happened that the tax bills came out when this bond <laughs> was coming. I mean, people saw massive growth in their taxes or at least their uh, the values of their homes and, and 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 some people are concerned maybe some of the older residents that that you know we you know I can't continue to pay this now my my house started off at 900 a month and now we're at 1800 a month you know mm -hmm. I I can't afford this so you know what do you do with the with the tax rate knowing that this is happening how do you speak to to that well, um, first of all, just I'll say no one wants those to go up and, and the rates have not gone up and you probably made that pretty clear. But I want to reemphasize the rates have continued to go down, partially because the state's compression. And then secondly, just because we have chosen not to do that when we know that our community is hurting. The, the issue is the values going up. <clears throat> so if you're not going to move, you don't care about the value. You care about the taxes you're paying each year. And, and I'm like you, I'm, I don't plan on moving. So that affects me too, as a business owner and a property owner here in Midlothian. But what I will say is every year I try to look at this and, and within our, our area, we are still one of the lower rates, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That's and correct. so we're one of the lower rates, but then we also give that 10% off the top of your value. And I, I believe there's only two in the area, us and one other, maybe Crowley, Crowley, I might be misspeaking, mm -hmm. Crowley, that gives that. <clears throat> so the thing is, if we want to continue to keep in our motto and on our website that we're offering an excellent product, we have to be able to produce excellent teachers and excellent academic outcomes. And we are trying our best to do that on the budget that we've been given. But <clears throat> if we want to continue with excellence, we that has to come from somewhere. We can't have a, um, a sufficient budget and excellent outcomes. It's, no. you know, it's a catch 22 uh, and, and nobody that I know of, and I said this in the meeting the other night moves here and says, Oh, we moved here because the schools were adequate. We moved here because there was a sufficient academic outcome at Midlothian ISD. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's impossible, but it's definitely a tough job to, have a fixed budget, but continue to see your academic outcomes and all that increase. Most people, when they're getting better, they're they're putting more resources or something into the mix of their product. And I'm just talking in a general business sense. You don't normally have the a stable budget 
but hugely increased output. I mean, usually those things go up at the same time and I'm not proposing an increased tax rate. I, I hope we can avoid that. But at the same time, um, nobody elected me and said, you're going to need to be a, a, a you're going to need to be a trustee that keeps the budget at the same level for the full six or nine years, whatever I'm going to be here. Everybody I talked to said, you've got to keep our schools good. You've got to keep it excellent for our students. You know, we need kids that can get out and go to college or go to trade school and be successful in life. And so for me, my eyes on that prize and, you know, secondary is to keep it affordable. Um, so that, that's kind of what I felt like my my, my um, priorities as a trustee should be is, yes, keep it a, keep it as affordable as we can, but continue to produce the excellence that's, that people have come to expect from Midlothian ISD. So has there been a uh, consideration on lowering that tax exemption from 10 percent? It, you know, it was a discussion, but I don't think anybody, it was a discussion because when we got to the point that we could not give raises, we asked Sandy to give us every possible option, every possible option. So I think she kind of got, <laughs> she got dark thrown at her, but she did what we asked. And I, I don't think that option was really something that the board or anybody wanted to do, but it was an option we wanted to look at because I don't think a lot of people even realize that they got that. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people I've talked to. They're like, oh, we didn't even realize that MISD did that. So I think I think what you said before about the bond, we as a district, as a board, everything, we have got to get our story out a little better. I think we need to communicate better, make sure people know the whole story and the whys behind a lot of the things we do. Because when you don't tell your story, guess what? Somebody else is going to tell it. And it's usually not accurate or as positive as the reality, right? So mm -hmm. I think it goes back to making sure people understand those things. So I'm going a little bit longer, but we're covering some really good stuff. So audience, bear with me, because this is some good information. So the last thing I'm gonna talk to you about is the superintendent search, because the superintendent is the leader. They're gonna lead the <laughs> district into the future. I mean, under your, under your, you know, your board, but they lead the day to day. They make the day-to-day -day happen. So this person is going to be important. Um, unfortunately, the last superintendent was here kind of a short time. Um, it, it's kind of general with superintendents. But that this next superintendent has to um, deal with the culture, deal with you know academic outcomes, deal with maybe social issues. What are some of the things that you're going to be looking for? And what have you done to get... Uh, uh, community input into this next superintendent? Well, um, so the first thing we've done as far as the community feedback is we did put a survey online on, um, I think, social media and on the website. Um, I do think that they're planning some maybe town halls. We talked about different avenues of doing that, especially given that it's the summer uh, and people are on vacation. It's, it's relatively difficult to get people together in the summer, but we're going to do everything we can to make that happen. We've even considered um, uh, some Zoom town halls where people can come on on a live Zoom and present their questions and those be answered. Uh, we haven't worked out the details of that, and I can't give you the dates of that yet, but that is in the works. Um, I will tell you that the, the application process went live um, 
I don't know the name of the website, but it's all the superintendents that are looking know the name of the website. What's it called? Do you know? Texas ISD. I think it's Texas ISD. Yeah, that's right. I think you're right. I'm sorry. I'm not a I'm not an educational world specialist, so I'm usually on insurance websites. Um, but anyway, um, we have gotten a good bit of interest. Um, the lady who's leading that search, um, Ann Dixon, I spoke with her and she's very happy so far with the interest in the job. Um, and we will definitely ask for the community input. And I've been through this one time before. Um, and, and I've told people, um, that I know Dr. Faye wasn't here for, for very long, but like you said, the lifespan of superintendents has continued to go down. When I first came on board, it was like seven to 10 years. And just in the six or seven years I've been here, it's down to the average is like 2.7. So, um, you know, we can't fault people though, for pursuing, um, bigger and better things for their own families. I hate it for us personally, but if we're going to produce kids, excellent students and excellent teachers, we've got to do that throughout our whole program, right? And we've got to support everybody in success, whatever it looks like. Um, we are sad though that she left um, so quickly and we're hopeful that the next person we get will stay 10 years. Um, but then somebody else also said, they're like, well, if they stay 10 years, it's probably because nobody else wants them. So. You know, it's one of those things as a board, we're going to definitely, uh, we've got some great people that are going to help cultivate and do this search. And uh, like I said, I've been through the process before, so at least I've got that under my belt. And and we're going to move forward and try to find the best fit for Midlothian based on the feedback we get from the community um, and the staff. And of course, like I said, the, the board has the final say in the interview process. And um, it's it's a good process and I felt very good about it uh, before when we went through it and, and, and how we did it. It was very meticulous. And anyway, it produced great outcomes. I thought. How important is it to have someone who's not only well qualified, but maybe diverse? Yeah, I think it's super important because our, our community is changing. And um, I think just over the last five years, I think everybody's had to be, more um, acclimated to that diversity component, right? And I, I think that's important, but I also think DV for just my personal opinion, not only as a trustee, but as a parent and as a community member for 27 years, um, and this is, it's a, it's a word kind of like fluff, but it's the fits important, right? Um, oh, how yeah, this person will fit within the culture of MS, MISD and the, the, you know, produce what we want here because I always, uh, some people called it the Midlothian mystique, but I've always been, um, I guess, I don't know. What's the word? I just think, I think Midlothian's awesome. I think it's yeah, special. It's, I've always it's called little... it Mayberry, right? I mm -hmm. never thought that I would leave my hometown of Waco, but we got here and my husband said, we're going to Midlothian. And I said, Midlothian, middle of where? And, mm -hmm. I, I came here 27 years ago and just absolutely fell in love with it. But for me, the mystique is the people, right? Because we have a lot of people that are, are, are very gracious and kind and caring. And I people call it the Midlothian mystique. So we've got to find somebody that fits into that culture and will come alongside of us and continue to produce the things that we have found to be important for mm -hmm. our students, staff, and community. So definitely has to fit the community. It's just yeah. like one of the things that, that came out recently was that Texas for the first time ever was a minority majority um, state. 
it, yeah. it's it's changing the demographics are changing i'm sure mm -hmm. that the schools are seeing that and and you know that but it's always somebody i mean for me personally i'd love to see somebody who has a heart for special education that's mm -hmm. where my heart is you know sure. those those kids are usually not the ones talked about they don't win the big trophies they don't go to state they they you know they go day to day and try to learn um that's where my heart is but you know hey i i'm not the one choosing you guys are and i i trust you guys to do something that's best for the community um i'm gonna have you close out uh, uh miss toby to the people of, of Milotian. uh this is your turn to speak to them well I, I would just ask that you know when we ask for your feedback um we truly want your feedback um people spend a lot of time putting negative comments and posts out there about us asking for feedback when they could be giving us feedback. And so that is truly what we want. And, you know, whether it's negative, neutral or positive, it helps us. Um, but I would just ask people to be gracious when, you know, when they ask for us to paint the walls purple and we paint them pink, that they are not going to come blow us up at the next meeting because, you know, we're here to serve um, the most the best and that's the way i look at it we we want to serve the most of our constituents in the biggest population we can in the best way possible and sometimes that's not by painting the walls purple uh, but just understand that everybody up here everybody on this board um our our entire staff and i can say this in all assuredness is in it to win it for our kids and for this community nobody here is wants to put out a survey and then call that 10% and say, sorry, you lost. Um, we, want to, we want everybody to be happy and we want to serve everybody well. But the unfortunate thing is, is that it's just, we're asking for the feedback so that we can make the best decision possible. And one thing that's not possible is to make 100% of the people happy. Um, I learned that very quickly in this position. So anyway, I, that's, I don't like saying that, but I want people to be realistic in their expectations and understand that we we're all here with hearts to serve. Um, and the only way we can do that is to actually get your feedback. Um, and I know sometimes criticism is necessary and we take that too. Uh, but just if you would please give us your feedback, we, we do want it and we do read it all and we take it all in when we make decisions. So we do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, I appreciate every time you come on. I know that uh, this isn't always the most comfortable thing to, you know, field questions. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, but I know that you have a heart for your community. And, and, you know, I appreciate that you come on here on my little show and talk about these things. Um, I, I believe in informing the community and, and you always help me in that. And I appreciate that. So, well, and I um, thank Sandy for being here because I'll tell you, I still get butterflies. I'm always like, Sandy, I don't know the numbers. So I, I appreciate you uh, inviting Sandy to come with me because it affirms what we're doing. And, and I want to say to the community, she's amazing. So, Sandy, I appreciate you. I mean, I know you didn't know me from Adam and yet, you know, you're you're here. And, and you know, I kept my word. I told you that you don't do political. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you numbers and that's how I work. So uh, can you guys stick around real quick after the show? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Y'all take care.